Welcome to the perfume room. I have such an exciting scent of the day today, and I will just give you the disclaimer. I'm not actually wearing it right now, but I was wearing it yesterday. And the only reason I'm not wearing it right now is because I don't have a sample of it. Otherwise, you can bet your bottom dollar that I would be. The scent is a 12 filante from Louis Vuitton. And I don't talk about Louis Vuitton fragrances too much on here because honestly, until this past weekend, I had only ever smelled a few. And that's because they're notoriously only available in Louis Vuitton stores, which is a store that I can't say I've ever just really like wandered into. Anyway, this weekend I was on a mission and I did wander in just to smell the fragrances and wow, Etoile Filante. I smelled this and immediately I was like, hello, old friend, because you want to know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my first ever fragrance gap dream. As soon as I smelled it, I got that familiar whiff of like white musk, tangerine, freesia, magnolia, osmanthus, and it just made me so happy. I tried it on my skin and I'm happy to report that not only did it last for hours, but it smelled amazing the entire time. Now, I feel like the original Gap Dream is probably like $20, so you might not opt to replace it with something that costs like over $300, but oh my God, if you loved Gap Dream as much as I did, at least just for your pleasure, just order a sample of this one. The nostalgia just came seeping right in through my cold little heart, and it just made me so, so happy. Okay, let's get to today's guest. Today we are joined by Olia Barr. Olia is our fragrance keeper. With a collection that runs 900 bottles deep, yes, you heard that correctly, 900 bottles deep, Olia has transcended being a collector and at this point considers herself to be more of an archivist. Have you ever wondered how or if a bottle design has changed with reformulation? Olia can tell you. Speaking of reformulation, which one is sweeter, the original formula or the new one? Olia can tell you. Beyond her personal archives, she's also an industry vet with over a decade of experience in both retail and marketing, as well as a content creator and writer. Currently, Olia works as a digital strategist for Twisted Lily, which, you know, I'll do a little shameless plug. If you're intrigued by any of the Twisted Lily fragrances mentioned in this episode, you can get 10% off any Twisted Lily order by using my affiliate code, PerfumeRoom10. That's PerfumeRoom10, one word, at checkout on TwistedLily.com for 10% off any order. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, today Olia and I cover all the important topics like Mercari vs. eBay, niche vs. designer, and of course, the hidden and obvious gems of her, um, library? Olia also shares her own scent memories tied to both her childhood in Russia and her teens and 20s in New York City. And of course, aside from all her wonderful accomplishments, Olia is someone I feel lucky to call a friend. This episode is a two-parter, so I am very excited to share part one with you all right now. Here is Olia Barr. Olia, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? Well, first of all, I'm so happy to be here. Um, you know, I love you. I love your work. And this is like really, really exciting that we finally get to sit down and uh, do this on record. <laughs> I know, right back at you. It's been so fun getting to know you in the last like year or so and seeing you at the different New York events. And every time we talk, I'm just like, this should be a podcast episode. So here we are. We're doing it. So Olia, with that said... The first question I ask every guest is, what are you currently wearing? Good question. Um, so as you know, a lot of my answers may not be necessarily um, like, I mean, even though you interview a lot of people who do wear multiple fragrances, but for me, 
I usually wear two to three fragrances per day. So the current situation, as in this hour, it's um, a fragrance by, it's a newest fragrance by uh, Mikhaev. And it's actually, I have it right here, and it's the Note Vini Nectar. So it's like a more potent, um, a little bit more boozier version of the original. And it's all about the vanilla, you know, as, as you know, I'm a big vanilla lover. So I've been like drenched in the all day. <laughs> wow. I love that. Yeah. So for everyone listening, Olia and I, um, we saw each other last week and we popped into the DS and Jerga store and we had like the exact polar opposite reactions. Like every fragrance that I loved, you were like, eh, every fragrance you loved, I was like, eh, and we realized that we are coming at this from opposite ends of the spectrum and you are a big vanilla girl yes yes <laughs> guilty as charged would you say that that's your signature scent profile and would you say you have a signature scent you know that's a very good question because I often ask myself this you know I love vanilla fragrances I have so many gourmands in my collection but um but then there are certain days when I feel like wearing something that smells like fresh laundry, or there are days when I feel like wearing a very dirty kind of skanky oods. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very hard to really pinpoint um, the exact kind of scent profile because, you know, as a, as a collector and as a, as a perfume lover, I think I, I kind of, it depends on the mood and the day, but um, I do think that a big chunk of my fragrance collection is dedicated to, to all things sweet and gourmand. Like if people close to you had to say like, this is what Olia smells like, do you think there's one fragrance that they would think of when they thought of you? So this is the funny part that I would always think that people would probably say, oh, she smells, you know, very sweet, like a cupcake. Like Josie mm -hmm. always says, oh, she, you know, this is my cupcake um, coming in. And, um, and the other day I was at my sister-in-law's house and they recently traveled to Italy. And when they came back, you know, they said every time we would walk into like some kind of leather shop, they would be like, oh, it smells like Olia. And I was like, really? That's what the fragrance you associate me with, with like these kind of intense leather and suede scents. And I guess I do wear them a lot, quite quite often, you know, it's just I don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's it's a good um, thing to get some feedback because I'm like, I guess I do wear a lot of leathers now that you're thinking, <laughs> but apparently they associate me with things that are very kind of luxurious leather and suede. So go figure. I mean, that's a great thing to be associated. If someone told me I smelled like luxurious leather and suede, I'd be like, you haven't, you haven't spent enough time with me, but also thank you so much. <laughs> basically except that they did spend a lot of time with me for the past 20 years so I was like hmm <laughs> okay so compliments I, I all around it. do you have any fragrance controversial opinions or hot takes I do and I think this is like going back to the literally the conversation that we just had recently as we were you know kind of smelling our way through all these different stores and mm -hmm. I think it has to do with the fact that you know it, I've been in industry for almost uh, 12 years by now. And um, I think the, the the niche industry is uh, rather new. I mean, of course, there are houses like Amouage that have been around since the 80s. And it's hard to even classify like a very clean niche sector because there's a lot of um, overlaps these days. But I do think that 
you know, being kind of a snob when it comes to niche is a little um, funny to me because there's so many fragrances that are designer and that are great. Of course, there are a bunch of fragrances that are not particularly great. And um, but again, it's very subjective and it really is so tied to these personal experiences and memories that there is no right or wrong. And I find it sometimes uh, quite amusing when I see all these um, kind of, uh, you know, virtual um internet fights when it comes to fragrances because I'm just like this is something for you to enjoy not to fight over um so yeah I think this whole like niche snobbery is is something that I find quite amusing but again you know some people are like diehard niche fans and so am I considering my collection and considering that I work in the industry um but I think there is the time and place for both so I'm sure a lot of I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of perfume caps flying my way I think it's a great segue that you brought this up because for everybody listening Last week we met up, we went to Ulta, we went to Macy's, and we smelled our ways through the store, and we have lots of thoughts, and we have compiled our favorite current designer fragrances on the market for you guys, so stay tuned, more to come on this exact topic, but in the meantime, Olia, I want to go back to the beginning, because you have had this illustrious career in the industry, you are an avid collector, where did it begin? Oh boy, I think um, I often, you know, ask myself, where did it begin, (laughs) Because I swear I was that kid who used to smell the rocks and grass and, and, you know, do all kinds of things that people would be like, why is she doing that? But to (laughs) me, this was a way, (laughs) yeah, I was, I was definitely that kid. Um, But it really, you know, shaped my olfactory world in a way that I guess in a way, maybe it shaped the whole destiny, you know, and somehow brought me into this, um, into this industry. Um, quite by chance, I have to say, but, you know, for me in the beginning is just, I was always thinking and perceiving people and situations through sense. Like I would, I would remember people as sense and I would recognize sometimes, you know, people who were in our family and I would be like, oh, I can smell the whiff of perfume. Like, I know that's my aunt and I know that's my other aunt. And I'm sure a lot of us can can say the same. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really, my uh, first fragrance was the one that my sister brought me. It was uh, Vivid by Liz Claiborne. And it was like this tiny little perfume um, extract that I think she was just given as a gift when she was purchasing the big bottle for herself. Mm-hmm. But I remember just cherishing it um, and really feeling so grown up and feeling so special because I had my own fragrance. And then later, my dad, who was um, actually at some point, um, he was working in a distribution uh, business and some of the the perfume, some of the products were perfumes. He brought me uh, Givenchy um, um Amarige. And that was, I was already about eight years old. I started wearing it to school. I mean, I love that visual of you as an eight year old (laughs) decked out in Amarige at school. It was, and I used to like really have uh, heavy hands. So I feel bad. I apologize for any classmates. Years later, you know, I do know I'm at fault, but I used to feel so fabulous, you know, wearing it. And um, until this day, you know, I do have a, a vintage bottle that I that I cherish because, of course, it's not exactly the same the formula, but I love it, and it's a way for me to to go back to, you know, that eight and nine year old myself and be obnoxiously fabulous. <laughs> And you, when you were eight and nine, you were still living in Russia, right? Yeah. Yeah. I came here when I was 14. So no, I know I spent a great deal there. So it kind of shaped, um, I guess, in many ways that, that foundation for the fragrances that were like in the beginning, you know, kind of part of my collection. 
what was that fragrance scene like in Russia? Do you think there were certain trends that were big there that maybe didn't translate to the U.S. market? So I think a lot of it, I mean, I'm, I'm an 80s kid, you know, I was born in the late 80s. And um, I think that a lot of what was available at the time was um, mostly French per perfumes. Um, like I remember there was a lot of Shalimar. There was a lot of Guerlain in, in, in general fragrances. There was a lot of Christian Dior. My mom wore a Dune. Um, I used to steal it from her. I now bought myself, of course, a bottle. She no longer wears it. She moved on to Mansara and Montal now. And I still, you know, Through you? Have or was that. she already also like into like Mon Montal and Mansara? My mom was never really into fragrances. She only would kind of wear some of the stuff that my dad would, would really bring her mm -hmm. or somebody would gift her. It mm -hmm. was my dad who was always really... Okay, interesting. In fragrances until this day, he's always like, "So what do you? What, what's new? Like, what, do you, what? What's going on?" And every time I see him, he is drenched in fragrances, which I find fabulous because he <laughs> literally goes to the grocery store. He's already retired for many years, and he still puts on his fragrance, and it's usually like an amalage. And I'm like, "Well, that's a fancy one, Dad, okay. or like a trip uh, to the pharmacy." You know? Well, when Olia is your daughter, you better go to the pharmacy and amalage, right? Right, because I mean, it's like, well, sometimes he switches to his Wilhelm. <laughs> he does yeah. have quite a few. Um, shout out but, Twisted you know, Lily. <laughs> shout out Twisted Lily here. Yeah. Um, and that's actually one of the latest one. And I have to say for me, like I got it for him for his birthday. Yes, because of the name, but also because it has a whiskey accord. And my dad is like a big scotch lover. So I'm like, you know what? This is going to be a good one for you. Um, which scent is it to my father? Yeah, by Wilhelm. Okay, it has like yeah. this whiskey blast, which um, which I love because I'm also a scotch lover. But going back, because of yeah. course I get always sidetracked. That's what always happens. No, that was my fault. I interrupted you. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> go back, go back. So um, during that time, there was a lot of these like very opulent French um, powdery, really kind of intense perfumes. Um, and I think that in a way that was just because of what was being brought in in the country. But... You know, one of the first experiences I had that was very different was when my father used to have a friend who um, was Egyptian and he was traveling to all parts of Middle East. And he actually brought me this. Well, he brought my mom and then my mom wore it and then she gave it to me. And it was this bottle, which till this day does not have a name. I have it. I'll send you a picture of it. I but I remember that the DNA was completely different and it just was such a shock to see um, a huge difference between things were that were currently on the market, like the the red square or, you know, things that were kind of red square was technically like really stolen from the whole Guerlain collection. It was like really a ripoff of it mm -hmm. um, or like a lot of it was a ripoff from like Chanel number no. five. Um, but then to see that completely different DNA from Middle Eastern fragrances was just a taste of what was going to come many, many years later, you know? So that was like my first encounter. Um, but really there were, there weren't that many fragrances. Like most of the time you would be able to recognize. And for me, I was quite a trendy one because my sister was at the time living in New York and guess what she brought me? She brought me CK1. Ooh, Okay. So I was one of those really, probably one of the first people um, who started wearing those fresh, um, really different, you know, this unisex DNA. And I felt so cool. I can't even tell you. I mean, I was just like literally practically drinking in that <laughs> because I was the only one who probably had the bottle at that time, at least around um, my friends, you know, my circle. So it was, um, it was quite different uh, for me to be able to be, you know, exposed to that. And again, that was like, thanks to my sister and the fact that she was already living in the U.S. Mm -hmm. at the time. 
as you say that, you know, it actually makes me think of past guests that we had on the pod, the co-founders of Fresh and the Maker, Lev Glazman and Alina Reutberg, told the story of growing up in the Soviet Union and how during that time there was one singular fragrance you could purchase called Red Moscow. And I know obviously that's before your time, but do you know of this scent or have any memories of anybody around you who wore it? You know, it's funny that you ask that because I don't recall that fragrance at all, except on much elderly people, mm. because I think it was, you know, at that point already, like the, when, when I was growing up in the eighties and like early nineties, um, a lot of, you know, things were already kind of seeping into the the Russian market. And mm -hmm. it was really cool to wear things that were French, you know, to get mm -hmm. your hands on something that was like Lancome or, you know, Shalimar or Christian Dior fragrances was really, you know, that it was, it was this kind of a flex, like a status. So I think that people were trying to be able to get that for their women, um, because that was certainly one of the biggest gifts. Like if you were gifted perfume, that means you had it, you had it good, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. and it was interesting because I don't recall smelling that fragrance very often, unless it was on, uh, yeah, on a lot of like elderly, um, women that were quite fabulous, but definitely already like that older generation because every, all my aunts were already, um, wearing, um, a lot of like, yeah, my aunts were like drenched in, um, Shalimar. I remember that was like a big one mm -hmm. <laughs> for them. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. Okay. The Russian aunts in Shalimar. Love that. Love that visual. <laughs> okay. So you came here when you were 14. Did you move to New York? So yeah, I moved to Brooklyn right away. And, um, and I remember my, my sister, my sister bought me at Ralph Lauren. I forget the, it's the blue one, you know, the one that we just recently saw. The, the dark blue one, right? Not the turquoise the, one. The dark blue, the turquoise yeah. I love, like the, cool. the one Ralph that Lauren's smells cool. like watery lily. I love it. The one I was going to buy a backup, but That's, you stopped me. That was me. one of my first favorites. Yeah, I know. We both, we both almost made impulsive decisions. And at both points, the other person was like, don't do it. But we had some, we had some moments. We almost, we almost did it for sure. Yeah. But, um, and you know, that fragrance, it, it's still so beautiful, but I really cannot wear it. And that just goes to show that, you know, that's another, um, it's a, it's a perfect reminder, like a very vivid one that hits me like right in the gut of how, how potent, you know, our memories and emotions, um, are when it, when it comes to tying them to a fragrance and those mm -hmm. olfactory kind of experiences that are really ingrained in our minds, because I, it was my first year in the country. I didn't really speak any English. I felt like an outcast. I felt very uncomfortable. I didn't know, you know, I just felt embarrassed left and right. And, it was one of those feelings that I felt from day to night, no matter what I did. You know, in school, I felt very uncomfortable. I, I felt horrified if I was going to get called upon because I knew I was going to make a fool out of myself. And all those days that I was wearing that scent, it just imprinted on me. So that gut feeling that I used to always have, that uncomfortable, you know, kind of uh, like that fear and a combination of just like discomfort, I very clearly subconsciously tied this to the fragrance until this day when I smell it I'm like oh no here we go we're going back to that first year mm -hmm. <laughs> you know of being an immigrant um which is very tough you know and and I always that's why I understand you know what immigration does to people and and this is why I always also say that if you know that there's some kind of like uncomfortable situation or there's an event 
that may not be one of the happiest ones, don't wear the fragrance that you love because you may just end up hating it or, you know, feeling that is very like you advice. can't really wear it. Yeah. Wear a perfume <laughs> in your collection that you actually hate, that you've been thinking about getting rid of to the funerals, to the hard days, and then it'll make it that much easier to just sort of... Yeah, and then it throw it on Mercari. <laughs> yeah, then put it on Mercari, which I know... You are a big Mercari spender, but I want to get into your collection and then get into Mercari. So my question is, what came first, your fragrance collection or your fragrance career? Um, my fragrance collection or my fragrance career, I think it was definitely my fragrance collection because it started uh, way before I ever realized or knew that I was going to, you know, enter into this world because I started collecting um, probably when I was about, 10, you know, I started collecting some stuff that, you know, my dad was bringing home from his work and um, certain things that were gifted. I would always, you know, ask my mom if she was still using her fragrances. So for mm -hmm. me, it was, um, and then of course I brought whatever I had with me from Russia. And then I ended up building a collection here that was all designer. Um, and then uh, by the time I got into the niche industry, I had a good maybe 40 or 50 bottles, you know, between some of the vintages, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and I gifted most of those away. But um, but definitely I, I had a, a pretty decent collection of designer fragrances at that point. Um, and then once I got into the niche in the um, 2010, like it was it was around about that time that's when I just started like it just started exploding my collection started you know I started spending so much money um and then I was already working in industry so I was able to get you know of course some fragrances <laughs> a slightly better deal and I started meeting a lot of people so we started sharing the decans and then ever since that my <laughs> collection just kind of exploded and now I'm over 900 something bottles I mean I stopped counting at this point <laughs> Okay, we need to pause. We need to pause and just like acknowledge and give weight to that sentence. You have over 900 bottles. And I feel like when I spoke to you a few months ago, you were in like the high 700s, if so, which Probably. means that there's been like 100 since we first started talking about your collection that you've amassed. Tell me about your collection. How do you store it? How do you pick what you wear? What's in it? Oh, what's, what's not in it? That's a better question because, you know, I think that for me, fragrances are, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I look at it as my private library. I always wanted to have like a giant library, you know, and uh, maybe that's still in the books for me <laughs> one day. Um, but I would much rather probably now to have a huge perfume library room because I live in a Brooklyn you know, apartment that's rather small. And I think that the collection is just kind of uh, squeezed into these closets and it just doesn't have the room that it really deserves. Um, but I just a few months ago, I actually started reorganizing the collection because I had it very randomly and I would never be able to find anything. And I go back to the collection to reference some of the fragrances when I write about them or when I discuss them, you know, on my G, whatever it is. So, um, I started organizing it by the brand um, and now I'm actually, it's it's such a relief because I can go and see exactly what I have from every brand. And it's it's really changed my whole experience because I realized that there were so many, so many fragrances that I really wasn't paying any attention to simply because they were just stuck in some kind of corner. So now I try to, 
I started approaching it differently because of course I review a lot of fragrances as part of my job. Um, and I always try to test out new things, you know, to stay on top of my game because these days, I mean, it's very hard to keep up with all these releases. I'm sure, you know, it's like, it's just close to impossible. Um, but I really make it a point now to, to make sure that I wear at least five fragrances, you know, that I haven't pulled out in the past few months. And I make sure that every week I usually do this like on Friday or over the weekend. Um, and I just go through my, through my closet and I'm like, you know, what haven't I not been giving love lately to? And then I pull it out and kind of just revisit it. And sometimes I able, I'm able to like really, um, see the fragrance in a different light because, you know, as, as an, again, I'm sure you know this, but, um, Sometimes you come back to the same fragrance a year later, sometimes even a few years later, sometimes a few months later, and it's a completely different experience. You're just like, well, wait a second. Well, what is this? Oh, hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so mm -hmm. for me, this is uh, this has been really, um, it, it's just, you know, I mean, I, I'm grateful to do what I do. I'm grateful for the things that I have because sometimes I'll, I'll be like listening to somebody speaking about something on YouTube or reviewing it. I'm like, oh, let me run to my collection and check it out because I actually have it. <laughs> Hello, Perfume Room listeners. I've got some tea for you. That is tea perfume. Don't worry, I hate me too. But guess what? Not only are the March Smell Club tickets now on sale, but the theme is tea. So whether you are a green tea, rooibos, jasmine, or oolong lover, whatever your uh, cup of tea may be, you will find it in the March Smell Club sample pack. There aren't many spots left, but details and tickets for the event and the sample pack can all be found at the link in my bio on Instagram, which is at Perfume Room Pod. Let's get back to Olia. You basically have your own department store in your apartment and it's like the ultimate like reference library. Like you said, like someone could reference a perfume you haven't gone to in 10 years and you're like, I do get that facet. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and I love it, you know, and every time I stop myself and I'm like, wow, just say thank you, you know, be grateful because I think it also allows you to, to see how amazing this is. And some people are, you know, a lot of my friends who, most of my friends are not into fragrances that are not in the fragrance world. And so they just do not understand why anybody needs this amount of fragrances. They don't understand how is it possible to have that many. And, but then when they come to my house, they're like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, I want to smell this. I want to smell that. I'm like, aha, uh -huh, now you understand. And uh, so, yeah, I just have them really just stacked uh, by brands. You know, usually I keep like one shelf or two shelves, depending on like, I mean, my Montals probably take about two shelves just, just for the Montal, Men's mm -hmm. Sarah, same thing. Amouage takes about the whole full shelf because I've been collecting it since since day one. Um, so, and this way I'm able to just kind of see, I mean, sometimes I do have to pull things out and understand what is happening in the depth of the closet where I can't quite see. So I sometimes even use a flashlight. I mean, it's probably like a TikTok worthy situation how sometimes I go through it, but it's not pretty. I would love to see a photo of your room, of that wardrobe, of all of those fragrances. So you're married. How is your husband's collection? Is he also a fragrance lover? And what does he think about your collection? That's a very good question because he thinks I'm nuts and he does not <laughs> care about fragrances. The guy wore only two fragrances, well, three. Uh, when I met him, he wore Paco Rabanne, uh, Rocco Baraka. And by the way, it's a fabulous fragrance. Nobody ever talks Rocco about it. Rocco Baraka? I've never heard I of it. I think yeah. that's it. Um, it's, it looks like a giant lighter and it's so cheesy looking because it has this like really big diesel guy on it. 
Um, but it smells so good. It smells so warm and, and familiar and kind of creamy and nobody ever wears it anymore. I've never even met anybody ever who wore it besides him. So for me, it was just like that first few years of our relationship. And then he moved on to wearing Chanel Egoiste. And now you would think that with the access to all this, all this beautiful, you know, selection and curation, he only wears one, and this is the um, Tom Ford Vanille Fatale. That's his go-to, mm, okay. and that's it. And I noticed that mm-hmm. um, this is kind of going back to, you know, I started working in retail, and I've noticed that people very rarely go 180 degrees into this opposite kind of DNA of the perfumes that they usually stay within 25, 30% variations on what they're already comfortable with or what they are familiar with. Exactly. Okay, so let's do some superlatives of your collection. If you had to pick out most worn, biggest sleeper fragrance, your go-to date night scent, the one you never touch, what what are you picking for these? And also you can make your own superlatives. <laughs> so... I think one of my most important fragrances in my collection is probably Portrait of a Lady by Frederick Mall. It was my wedding scent. Um, so mm-hmm. that was kind of just something that will forever be um, very dear to my heart. And I try not to wear it that often because of how special it is to me. Because I just kind of don't want to overwear it and get like somewhat mm-hmm. tired of it. So I this is to me is like a very special one. Um, I do wear my Baccarat Rouge quite often. I, you know, <laughs> I know there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of reaction to this because there's some there's the camp of lovers and there's the the big camp of haters. Um, Listen, if you have 900 fragrances and it's in the top of their rotation, I feel like that speaks volumes about the quality of Baccarat Rouge. Like if Olia Bar is wearing Baccarat Rouge. My opinion of it simply does not matter. Do you get what I'm saying? It matters. No, it matters because I think that, you know, there's definitely like, I know some people don't like Baccarat Rouge and I specifically don't wear it around them. So if you told me Mm -hmm. you, you know, would prefer not to smell it on me, I would be like, I respect it and I won't wear it around you. Um, I have 899 other options. So let me pick one and (laughs) exactly i'll be like we're okay like we're, i'm not gonna yeah, hold the yeah, grudge. Yeah. we're gonna be fine you know, we're gonna be mm-hmm. fine we're gonna survive through this one um mm-hmm. but then i have a fragrance that i don't hear anyone ever talk about and i and i think it's one of those really hidden gems and it's a it's montal dark oud it's been around for ages mm. nobody ever okay. pays attention i don't even know if i've it. smelled that one yeah it's it's a it's a very abrasive oud at the first spray so i think most people when they smell it on the blotter they're just kind of like Ugh, i don't know about that but then it has this smoothest creamiest sandalwood underneath that is literally like one of the best sillage kind of fragrances where you're just gonna follow somebody and be that creep and ask them what they're wearing, something I do all the time. So I'm just, I am that creep. <laughs> but that is just, I think, how sometimes you can discover a fragrance, you know, that you would have not particularly thought about. Because I used to carry that fragrance, you know, at New York. And I remember never really paying attention until one of my coworkers started wearing it. And I literally was following him and I'm like, what are you wearing? Because I just mm-hmm. want to hug you nonstop. And he goes, I'm wearing dark oud. Like you just sprayed it for a client the other day, but I sprayed it on the blotter versus spraying it on my right, own skin. It's a skin. different experience. Yeah. Completely. And you know, for me, I fell in love with it. I've been in love with it for many, many years. I'm like on my fifth bottle by now. 
which is nuts. Wow. Okay. I have to try that. Is there a fragrance that you've noticed gets you stopped a lot where people are wondering what you're wearing? So actually dark wood is one of them. Um, I do get a lot of uh, compliments on it. And another fragrance that I have recently picked up, and this is one of those, this is actually going to be a designer one. So this is the mm, Narciso okay. Rodriguez. <laughs> and this oh, is yeah. the Musk Noir Rose. And I got, and we were smelling, remember, um, the mm -hmm, Musk it's Noir? It's so pretty. But the mm -hmm. Musk Noir Rose, oh my God, I literally got so many compliments that I'm like, why is it that it's... A designer fragrance it doesn't cost a fortune um it's there's going to be a lot of other people who are wearing it and it just one of those cocoons of rose and and spices and this really beautiful musk that i think is is definitely his dna and i've gotten so many compliments that i'm like okay well this, there's going to be a backup for this just in case something happens because you know one cannot live without a backup it was yeah. uh it was this baby which by the way i got on mercari <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So wait, so you are a Mercari girl over at eBay. Tell us why. So I, well, again, I don't buy niche fragrances, of course, because thankfully, you know, I'm able to um, receive a lot of them through PR or get them, you know, through the industry. But um, when it comes to designer, sometimes I go through, through Mercari because I don't mind the bottle that has been sprayed a few times. And um, I don't mind if it doesn't come in the original box. I just care that the bottle is intact. So I've gotten quite a few bottles. Um, and I do like the little negotiation. You know, sometimes people decline the offer, but I'm like, listen, why not? I'll throw it out there. And another thing is that, you know, I haven't had any issues. I think eBay has been like populated with, with a lot of fakes. Um, mm -hmm. So I've had, I think, thankfully didn't have any issues, but it's also like this little kind of community-based, um, you know, people really chat. I remember I got, I, I forget what it was that I ordered, but a woman hand-delivered it to my door and we were like chatting about fragrance. And I was like, oh, Oh, you were saying strange. that, that she realized she was like your neighbor and all of a sudden your doorbell rang yeah. and she was like, here's your Marcari fragrance. <laughs> and I was Which like, also oh. I think is like crazy of just like when you give your address out on the internet, you don't even like realize what you are doing with that because like someone could just show up at your door with a perfume which honestly I wouldn't mind a hand delivered fragrance but you it know it was nice it was that it was a little like you strange in? you know I I said do you want to come in do you want to have a cup of tea she's like no 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 my, my daughter is waiting I said well I'm here if you ever want to chat about fragrance because I am a big fan so she never actually contacted me again yeah. but it was just like this nice little encounter and I've had these really nice interactions with people on it that I think that for whatever reason whether you're given a fragrance like a second life you know, whether this is something that you were gifted and you don't particularly like, you know, it, it, as long as this fragrance lives on, because I think that it's it shouldn't just be collecting dust, you know, in in the whatever shelf or whatever it is that you keep it. If you don't care, then if you're not keeping it for reference, as uh, some of us, <laughs> then let it go. Let it have another life. You're like the archivist of fragrance. I think so. I think I'm like the keeper yeah. of fragrances. I'm one of those. Um, I'm one of those. <laughs> Olya Bar, the keeper of, of fragrances. Yeah. I love we that. Need you. you know, I am. Thank I am you for a your work. Nerd. Thank you for your service. Um, okay. So I do want to talk about your career because as, in addition to being a fragrance lover, you also work in the industry. You've worked in the industry for 12 years. You were talking about your time at Min. Was that your first career? How did you get into the industry? And what do you do now? So that's the that's the interesting thing that I, I feel like sometimes, you know, it's like destiny that brought me into it because I was traveling through Europe. 
I spent all my savings. And just when I was thinking to go back there, my mom said, well, I used the, you know, I used your the rest of your savings to pay off your credit card bill. So now you're going to have to go get a job. And I just like graduated from FIT. I was like thinking that here I am going to go on this another trip. And I said, OK, fine, mm-hmm. I'm going to go get a job. So I originally thought I was going to because I was um, interning in the, in the fashion industry and I was already um, I had some previous jobs. And then one day, um, a friend of mine, you know, who I um who, you know, he said, there's this whole uh, fragrance world out there. And I'm like, no way. And it's simply because I complimented his wife on the fragrance. And I said, you know, it sounds like you're wearing um, a cloth by Lon Bon. And she goes, she looks at me. She's like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, you know, there's this thing. I'm into fragrances. I kind of sometimes can recognize. And her husband was the one who said, let me connect you with, with a few people who are in this world. And I said, there's a world of fragrance lovers. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. And I got an invite to um, to an event at New York, and I just showed up. I had a good time. I realized that there was all this world that I that I still didn't learn about. So of course I was intrigued. And uh, a week later, they offered me a job. You know, there was a position that was open, and I knew nothing about niche fragrance at that time. So I had to learn really quickly because it was a very small team. We had a lot of things going on, so I kind of had to wear many hats. Um, but we had a huge database of fragrances. We had, it was an amazing space in Crosby street. It's no longer open. So, and I think a lot of people are familiar with that store. Cause it was like one of those like gems when it came to, um, niche fragrances. And this is where I fell in love with Amouage and Mancera, you know, Kiko Micheri, Frappon and so many other fragrances. And I really started learning like I remember having this book and I would just like every day make notes and go home and smell and smell and smell it I remember coming to home to my mom and saying mom I love this job so much that even if they don't pay me I would still do it my mom said don't ever say that she's like um I have not taught you well my child (laughs) yeah she was like don't say that she's like you can love the job but you have to get paid I said okay many years later I understood what she said um but during that time I was you know I was literally on cloud nine I met some incredible people in industry um and most of them I still keep touch um with until this day and it really shaped my understanding of what this industry is. I was very hungry. And I think that one of the beautiful things is I never lost that hunger, you know, for knowledge, for experience to, because I think that in this particular industry, you can never learn it all. You can never smell it all. There are some uh, always new chords, new developments, new technology, new compositions and new stories to share. And I think that that's what keeps me going till this day. Um, I am now at Twisted Lily, which is under the Europe Perfumes umbrella. And it's mm-hmm. incredible because at New York, you know, Europe Perfumes was one of our distributors. Um, mm-hmm. And most of our brands were actually from Europe Perfumes. And it's kind of like this big circle. <laughs> Ten years later, I end up um, becoming part of the team. And I have to say, I am, I have an incredible job. You know, I Twisted Lily is, um, for anybody who doesn't know and remembers it as a store in, in Brooklyn, uh, when uh, Vikin Arslanian, he bought it out under, you know, and put it under the Europe Perfumes umbrella, the store was closed um, and we never reopened that that location, but it's now purely online and I um, handle the digital strategy and communications. And it's really fun because I get to work on all the content and I get to write um, I get to work on marketing. We do these fun events. We interview perfumers. 
I'm able to really bring a lot of these kind of fun ideas to life because we have an incredible team. And I really see that it's it's always the team of people that you're working with that um, determines, you know, the success because I was able to meet so many like-minded people and it's really incredible, you know, because every day, I mean, they definitely think I'm a little crazy because I don't think anybody in the company loves the fragrances as much as I do. <laughs> so I'm known as this uh, crazy oversprayer and, and things like that. But, um, but it's fun. It's incredible because, um, your perfumes, you know, has so many fragrances in portfolio, as you know, um, and there's always new new fragrances to to test out, new people to interview. So my job is definitely very very exciting. So that's what I get to do now. I feel like you're exactly where you're meant to be. That's so that's so wonderful. What fragrances that you guys currently distribute through Twisted Lily do you think are underrated? Maybe they're like not selling out as quickly, and you're like, we need to build some awareness around this this scent yeah I mean I love that you said that because I think that it gets um we try you know and I try to feature so many fragrances when it comes to even my Instagram or you know try to talk about the fragrances via our marketing you know and and emails but there's still some that kind of stay it's just impossible to talk about all of them equally um so sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like oh these guys are not getting enough of love and I think it would be um, even like brands. I mean, we recently brought on Marc Antoine uh, Barois, which has mm-hmm. this fragrance called Ganymede. I, I might be yeah. mispronounced, so don't hold me to it. It just smells like this out of this world planet. And it's strange, but it's so addictive. And it kind of grew on me because in the beginning, I was like, I don't, I don't know, this is strange. And then I kept coming mm-hmm. back to it. And I feel like um, it's one of those fragrances that may not be necessarily for everybody. But once you get to truly experience it it just grows on you and it becomes like really addictive and um I think very mineralic it's like almost it's like a little seaweedy and ambergris but it still smells sort of like fresh and sexy but there's definitely that seawater element to it which is strange because I don't even like aquatics. Like I never wear aquatics. Like, I mean, I can appreciate mm-hmm. them. I used to wear a Healy Salmaron, but that was really the only one. But like you will very rarely catch me wearing like a true aquatic. So I do mm-hmm. find that like that little uh, minerality in it again, like, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like it's that saltiness, but then there is mm-hmm. this kind of like a weird, almost like a metallic dust in it. And at the same time, there's yeah. this leathery component. And all of that somehow works, even though it doesn't sound like it will work. <laughs> because when mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, salty minerality, um, you know, steel and dust, it's kind of may not be the perfect you scenario. You got to just trust and try it, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, another one that I think is really fun, and I think that Carna Bar- Barcelona is one of those brands that actually used to be, you know, a, like a leather house. The, the family used to be in the leather business. And now they, and then they started building the fragrances around them. And I am addicted to Tardis because it kind of smells like this almond dessert. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's fragrance that that's definitely underrated. And really, it's at Rue d'Orange, remarkable people. That is my hidden addiction. Same. And I have talked about it on this podcast because the first time I smelled it, I just like wrote it off. I was like, all right, okay. Another sort of like zesty cologne. I've smelled this before. And then I retried it recently, maybe like four months ago. And I was like, it smells, you know what it smells like to me, Olia? It smells like when you flip through 
old glossy magazines, like sort of like that smell of like the amalgamation of all of the perfume inserts, both like the ones that are like traditionally feminine, traditionally masculine, and the smell of like a glossy magazine that's just been like freshly printed. Like that's kind of what it smells like on I my skin. I love that. You know, the funny part is that I never thought about that, but I, since as I was a kid, used to love those magazines. Like I would collect them. I still collect some of like, I still have some of the original, well, not original, but they're like from like 15 years ago, like 20 years ago, some, some editions of the magazine. And I still, that kind of doesn't surprise me <laughs> that you have old magazines. That seems of course, like I'm a hoarder brand. of that yeah. too. I hoard it all. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's funny that you said that because I always, I was like trying to pinpoint why am I so into it? Because it makes me feel very, it's like this comforting feeling, but there is something very festive about it as well, but it doesn't quite smell like a champagne accord that is in it because I'm like, I don't know if it's particularly that, that I'm picking up, but it does make me feel good. And that feeling, um, is what really kind of, you know, is what's important. So I love that. You love that. It's such an underrated gem which I think is a great segue to something else underrated or maybe not underrated, but like often overlooked, which is that in this world of niche and luxury fragrance, I feel like people are quick to ignore more designer or mass market scents, which as you and I both know and listeners of this podcast know is silly because it's oftentimes the same perfumer and I'll take it one step further, oftentimes very similar scent composition. I think there is really time and place for both. You know, I think that there is a way for all of these to coexist, even in the same fragrance wardrobe, even in the same fragrance collection. Um, Just like for me, again, like I keep talking about fashion, but um, it's like having a designer piece and having a vintage piece and having an H&M kind of piece and making it all work. You know, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I only wear vintage or I only wear designer. Like, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like that. So, yeah, let's let's dive right in and let's talk about it. So for everybody listening, I hope you have enjoyed part one of this episode. Sorry to leave you on such an amazing cliffhanger, but come back next week because Olya and I are going to be sharing our recent shopping trip and all of our favorite picks that you can get right now in your local Sephora Ulta, Macy's, or other department store. See you then. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon, and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs>